You're listening to Unseen Theatrics with Clinton Kamak. Hello and welcome to today's episode. With the task of creating the set the performers act, sing and dance on to provide the audience a design to look at on stage. Today we are talking with a set designer. Meg has worked with Patch and Vital Statistics and other local professional companies around Adelaide for many years. Please welcome to Unseen Theatrics podcast for today, Meg. Hi Meg. Hello, thanks for having me. That's all right. Uh, I hope you're doing well today. Yes, uh, very well, thank you. It's uh, nice and sunny outside, which is lovely in the middle of winter. That's a nice change (laughs) at the moment, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. So um, we're talking about set design today. What do you find most enjoyable about live theatre? I really love being able to experiment and create or even experience storytelling in different forms, various formats, and um, as well as being able to give an audience little hints of ideas and um, the audience then being able to make up their own ideas about what's going on and um, assumptions about things. Yeah, I really love being able to give a hint of a picture, not the whole picture, and then seeing what can come out of those experiences for audiences, which I think you can really do and see in people's reactions in theatre that you, you don't get in a lot of other forms of art. Um, yeah, and also the ability to create heightened emotions in people through the use of old designs and colours and lighting and atmosphere and, and all of those sorts of things. I find it really exciting. Yes, totally. Seeing reactions on people's faces is great in the audience when, yeah. you're, uh, when you're operating or anything. Yeah, totally. As a set designer, what's kind of your job description? My job as a set designer is to conceptually and aesthetically design and build, not necessarily build with your hands, build a world for a story to take place within life. Yep. And what skills do you need to be able to do that? Generally, the main skills I say you would need is an eye for form and spatial arrangement Mm -hmm. and ability to use, I guess, Uh, style and form and aesthetic in a way that is also functional to storytelling. So not only do things have to uh, look great, (laughs) they have to function well as well and and be able to convey everything that a director and the actors are are trying to deliver within that story. Okay. Is there some sort of practicality in the design as well that you need to account for? Yes, generally there does need to be <laughs> practicality. You try and push the boundaries within that yep. a lot of the time as a designer because, you know, first and foremost, I think you want things to look amazing. Totally, yes. But then, you know, it's no point having an amazing set that then nobody can use. So you, you generally you will work out, you'll try to find ways to make ideas function yep. a lot of the time you you know you're having to work things out as they as they go up and in the act to start using the space and mm. and that kind of thing a lot of time there is solutions yep <laughs> but you know sometimes you do run into problems yeah in creating these set designs what software or apps do you use or do you like the pen and paper and, and drawing things down yeah i um i use a bit of everything just depending what sort of stage i'm at 
generally I, I do first off do quick sketches in my sketchbook by hand yep. and from there I'll generally move to a program such as Google SketchUp yep. uh, because it's very intuitive in the way that it works. You can sort of push and pull 3D forms about um, and see if things are going to, you know, look any good or work well or get mm. you know the proportions of things correct and that kind of thing and then from there I would usually go into Vectorworks a drafting program so that you can get all your, your technical drawings looking um, a bit more schmick yeah but also a lot of other designers use Vectorworks such as or something similar such as lighting designers so then you can share files and they can drop in there design on top of yours and, and that kind of thing okay cool and the main ones that i use sometimes i sketch directly onto my ipad and if i'm doing that i'll use some form of drawing sketchbook app yep. and then started to play around with some 3d animation type programs as well blender is another one that i've started to use as well uh yes that's one that i wanted to uh, play around with as well yeah yeah so far <laughs> i've only really uh managed to create um a 3d donut which uh, was yes. like an achievement but um more and more i'm trying to teach myself those kind of skills because um it's a way of creating content as we move into these online realms and things like that so yeah just always trying to teach myself something new <laughs> yeah totally totally that's a good thing to do yeah moving on and slowly getting into into the work can you give us an outline of the design process that you go through yeah so generally i would start by if there is a script yep. i would read the script first um and on that first read i might jot down a few images that pop out at me or you know character traits those kind of things from there I would talk to the director sometimes if it's a new play you'll also talk with the playwright yep. but at the end of the day it's the director who will have the main ideas about the sort of feeling they want to portray yep. for a play and even a few ideas on aesthetics yeah things like that as well from there I would go away again and probably have another read uh, and then I would start to collect images probably on somewhere like Pinterest, <laughs> um, yep. just initial ideas. Yep. And then if it's, depending on what the play is as well, we might do further research into the history of something or that kind of thing to, to try and bring in concepts that are well-informed, I guess. And then I would start to do some sketches uh, just in my notepad and then move to SketchUp and then... I would go back to the director and see, I guess, whether those are ideas that are also gelling with them, whether we need to change direction in any way. Yeah, And if not, you would go through and do some detailed sketches and colour renderings and then present it back to the director and uh, producers or anybody else who might be involved in that process. Okay. And it's uh, backwards and forth until you come up with a with a final design. Mm, yeah. So if we if we start talking about a production, you've just been contacted by someone for a project. What are those initial conversations that you're having with the with the playwright and and director about what kind of a set that they want that you can create for them? Generally, the conversation begin around who the people are in the play, what the main 
ideas and outcomes of the story are. Then you might start to talk about location as well as the style of direction as well. So the director might be wanting to work in a fairly naturalistic way. So, you know, things appear as they would in real life kind of thing. Or they might be wanting to work with something that's a bit more conceptual and abstract and the space that you create might then, um, what could be anything, (laughs) Um, but you could, it becomes more installation-like in that sense and it might also be a set that doesn't change over the course of the play. It might just change with lighting or different props that come in or that kind of thing. So so like a box set. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so just to get uh, a sense from the director as to what they were thinking and then yep. you can take that on board and generally though you're working with a, a director because a certain director because they know your style of work or you've worked together before so a lot of the time you do actually already know which path you might be going down with those sorts of things but yeah it's a good good starting point uh yes yeah yeah then that you probably touched on another thing in this world it's all about networking to get jobs then how other people might normally get a job definitely yeah i mean i the way that i've sort of come through to the point that i'm now i actually because i come from a um visual arts and interior design sort of background but then had an interest in theatre, my way of being able to build a career within theatre was to start to volunteer with certain companies. Sometimes that was just behind the bar, talking to people and getting to know what they do and just going to shows. And then I became a design assistant for a couple of other designers and then, you know, they might recommend you to someone Mm. else and, yeah, eventually you uh, start to build a reputation and more and more people get to know you and, yeah, that's how you you get jobs. (laughs) That's how it works. I hope you're enjoying this week's episode. Check in next week as I have a chat with a relighter. If you think you have enough information, you probably don't have enough information. There's always a little bit of higgledy-piggledy when you're doing these sorts of jobs. If you love it, then everything is just so much easier. What things are you looking for in the scripts? Are there any other? Th- you, you mentioned a couple of things before. Anything else? I probably look a little bit for repetition in work. So it might be colours or objects, just little things like that that pop out yep. and you'll just make notes on the side mm-hmm. uh, of the script yep. to see whether that's something to come back to or not. Mm-hmm. You're also looking for things like transitions between scenes and that kind of thing, whether it's easy to make a, a set that can shift and change or whether you, you, know, you could just work with one or two elements that change yeah there are things like pace and um even costume changes and things like that yeah seeing whether you need to be able to build areas that the cast can disappear behind for a bit and and that kind of thing so okay yeah there are little things like that that you you might want to be aware of yeah just in case they become a problem down the track (laughs) cool yeah is time of day another thing that you're looking at as well in the scripts yeah yeah that's also something it's pretty important 
can be more important for a lighting designer coming through because essentially they are going to be the designer who is creating the atmosphere in terms of time of day and and that kind of thing. But connected to that as well is even um, the time of the year, you know, or day versus night in terms of clothing that people might be wearing or that kind of thing. So Okay. Right. We actually just briefly touched on it. Who are you communicating through this, through the design process? We've got the the playwright, we've got the director, and we just briefly touched on the lighting designer. Is there is there any other people that you're communicating with? Yeah, uh, the sound designer. Yeah. Because generally the, the set designer, the lighting designer, the sound designer, and the costume designer, if that person is a different person again. Yeah. You'll need to be on the same page in terms of the world that you're trying to build. You know, it's no point building a set that then a lighting designer decides needs these giant lights on stage or that, you know, don't work with the aesthetic or or that kind of thing. Like Mm. everyone needs to be in conversation from quite early on. And we do that via production meetings and we'll email each other or talk to each other. That kind of thing. Cool. Sketches go backwards and forwards and other bits of information from all departments sort of go around each other to, to make sure everyone's on the same page. Yeah, yeah. That's right. So we've got a good overview of the, the people in that that you talk to. What's the usual time frame from getting a show to, to getting it to the theatre with, with these communications with people? It really does depend on um, the company you're working with. Yep. Generally, you might know six months to a year in advance okay. yep. that you'll be working on a project. Yep. It also depends at what stage you come into a project as well so sometimes um, as a designer you'll be invited into a creative development stage which are the you know very early stages of uh, of a new work Mm -hmm. and that could be you know two or three years before the final production happens but most of the time it'd be you'd be asked to join the project say six months to a year before and then you'll have some initial con- conversations within that six months period and then I would say at least three months before rehearsal mm-hmm. stage yep. you would have a pretty good idea of what the design is going to be and you would uh, be making final decisions on big set builds or anything like that at that stage because if possible it's really great to have elements of a set if not the whole set um, available for a rehearsal period which might be four to six weeks prior to a production going up okay yeah so you would hope to be having some elements built by a month before you know even if not the whole set but definitely say two weeks before you would have the final sort of production pieces being built okay and then it all happens on bumping day (laughs) all coming together doesn't it just yeah in that period between the conversation and the month before two weeks before when you're actually building the set is there any timelines within that that you like to have things done by so that you know you're on the right track to to get the deadline that that the creatives are after? I would generally say I 
like to have my final designs together, say, two months before. So the lighting designer, a lot of their work happens in the theatre. Yes. But they would want to be knowing what lights they need to have in the theatre. Oh, yeah. A general plan of where lights go and that kind of thing. Yeah, so they would want that probably around that two months before, I would say. Yeah. And with sound designers, potentially would be wanting... Not necessarily final designs, but pretty much the full what, the idea of what the final design is going to be much earlier in the piece because, you know, a lot of the time they're building content that needs to be then rehearsed with and that kind of thing. So it gets a little bit blurry with um, final when I like to have things done and when other people might like to have things done. But I generally I would like to feel like I'm mainly done two months before yep. the actual production. Yeah, it also depends who's doing the build and and that kind of thing and how much there is to build. Yeah. But if it is a large build, you know, it it may take four weeks to actually build a set. So, you know, you you definitely want it to be wrapping up around two months to six weeks before. Cool. If you have any questions, contact me via the Unseen Theatrics Facebook page or at unseentheatrics at gmail.com. Do you have much to do with the set construction people? Are you the one giving them all the details or do they take your plans and get the measurements from that? Yeah, so you try to be as detailed as you can with the information you hand over to people who are um, building the set. There are some, some you know, you, you can indicate if um, measurements are approximate that kind of thing mm-hmm. so that then they can make judgments on those kind of things but if there are measurements or details that need to be absolutely correct then <laughs> you would state that um yeah also you might have a specific way that you need a door to open or a, a window to do a certain thing um so you, you just give as much detail about in the technical drawings as well as in your renders and finishes as to how you'd like them to appear. And then you would check in along the way as well and you would ask the team who are producing the set as well to get in touch if they have any questions because you don't really want people to just go, oh, well, I guess I think it's this. Yes, yes, there's nothing worse than doing a job twice or three times. Exactly, exactly. Mm. And and most of the time people will want to check. Yeah. But yes, you generally make yourself available and you can request to come in and see something in process as well, just so everyone can be on the same page and know mm-hmm. that, yep, this is the correct way of doing it. Yeah. What about renders? You just mentioned about renders and obviously the finish on the on the set itself. Mm. Do you have an, a nice swab book of glorious paints and textures and everything else that uh, that you access to sort of have a look at to get inspiration for for the type of finishes you want on your sets? Yeah, so you would generally get, or, you know, it might be paint swatches or yeah. sample of a carpet or some other flooring piece. So you try and get as many samples of materials as you can. And if it's something that needs to be set finished, like painted or has a specific finish that you want then you might even make up a sample yourself or you would try and explain what you wanted to the set finisher um, and they might make you up a little sample and you'd be like yeah that but darker or something like that so yeah you try and source as many materials 
that as you can yourself mm -hmm. so that you can sort of have control over things like colours and that kind of thing. But also it helps you in terms of keeping the budget in mind and how much of a budget that particular fabric is going to cost. Is that going to be your entire set budget if you go for that one and, and that kind of thing? Yes. Well, that's a question that I've kind of got. How do you prioritise the, the majority of the budget's going to go to this set piece? What makes this set piece mm. the big money spender? Yeah, can be difficult sometimes. Yeah, you make judgments based on how much of an impact something might have within yep. the play versus the length of time that you might need it for versus you know can we get something that's always just as good you know is, is there something similar we can use yep. or is that something that we can create ourselves in terms of painting and finishing yep. so generally I would say there's probably like one thing that you want to really look spectacular like it might be a I don't know shiny surface on a wall or, or something like that yeah it's the the thing that stands out that makes the design unique I think that generally gets the biggest like there's no compromise <laughs> on on that yep that's it it's the, the one piece that makes a set sparkle yeah yeah and then you might start to consider other options like do we really need this prop do we need like is there another way we can convey that idea are you involved in the prop process at all yes yeah because it it can inform the design and also the style of a work so there might be a decision early on that actually we're not going to use props yeah people can imagine that you're holding this apple or whatever it is yeah those are choices that you make pretty early on a lot of the time and then you follow that style throughout which obviously is a conversation with the director yes and if there are props that you are using you want them to fit in with either the style of the theme or the era of whatever the set is or whatever the mm -hmm. play is as well so yes you you do have control over those things as a designer cool so that means you're possibly designing a few props every now and again yeah cool been talking about a couple of things that influence the design what about the performance space do you know what your performance space is possibly going to be very early on or and how does that influence your design a lot of the time the space that uh, a work is going into influences the design a lot yeah. because it gives you the size the boundaries where you have access to different things like to backstage or entries for the actors, all of those kind of things. So a lot of the time a venue will determine what a design can be. Mm -hmm. But then there are other times also that you're designing for multiple venues. So it might be a touring set that then has to go to other smaller theatres or even theatres that aren't actually theatres, there might be <laughs> town halls. Or So in those instances, then if you know where all of the places are that they're going, then you would have to look across all of those the specs of those venues yeah. and, you know, get your minimum and maximum kind of boundaries and also figure out whether a set needs to be slightly different in one space to another. So there's one I've designed recently that was a, a six-metre diameter circle yeah. and there were just one or two venues that that's going into that the depth just wouldn't work. So we will actually have to, in those venues, just make the floor so that it can come away at the front. So in those venues, it won't be a full circle. There'd be a straight edge at the at the front. Okay. 
in your design process, do you make models of the set? And if so, what materials are you using to, to make these models? Again, it does depend on who I am designing for and what kind of work it is. Yep. For bigger companies such as State Theatre or Windmill, those kind of ones, generally I will always do a 1 to 20 scale um, model. Yeah. It's just easier to um, convey how a set might fill a space to a, a, a larger team that is then coming on board to, to create this work and also gives a sense of colour and yeah, finishes and, and yeah. that kind of thing. Materials that I would use, some core float, yeah. some cardboard, yeah. uh, balsa wood okay. sometimes, yeah. um, bits of fabric that... I might be, you know, using for curtains or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, you would try and recreate anything you can. Yeah. And then I would also paint the set as well to appear as close as you can to the finishes that will end up being on the set. Yes. Yeah, but then you would also bring in your samples and things like that to show exactly what they would look like. Yeah. Some places are fine with just a 3D drawing of the work okay yeah because a lot of the time with those as well you can move the image around and zoom in and out and that kind of thing and and change it on the go so uh, yeah a lot of the time we only go that far but then sometimes i'll create the model as well okay all right in your creative stage ideas don't necessarily always flow one after another you're going to get a creative block or some sort of i don't know what to do i don't know where to go how do you deal with this and sort of push past it and get the creative juices flowing again I don't think I've ever been in the position where I haven't had any ideas, but I've been in the position where I can't quite get it to work exactly how I want it to or doesn't feel like quite right. Yep. And that happens pretty much every time. <laughs> There's always a point in the process where you're just like, I am stuck. I don't see how I can get past this point. Yep. But just having an awareness of this happens every time and every time you get through it yep. is really helpful. Mm. And you do. So just knowing that and just playing around with different things. And sometimes it's the idea that you're really stuck on and you really want, want to work. Yep. If you take that out so that you're not obsessing over getting that one thing to work, you take it out, maybe it can come back in later. Yeah, if you take it out and then play around with other things that you have, generally it will work itself out. You'll find a way of getting there. And sometimes those solutions will come in the middle of the night. So you've got a notepad beside your bed? Yeah, or I um, quickly get my phone and email myself or something like that. I never let them go because yep. you never remember them in the morning. Totally. But, yeah, it is just having the faith in the process and knowing that there is always a problem and if it feels too easy sometimes I don't know it either feels less satisfying or you're like the problem still to come I don't actually mind the point of okay this is the problem so we're going to get through this because you do get it yeah okay all right so you know if you're encountering a problem pushing boundaries yeah, that's it. Cool. When you encounter these problems, do you brainstorm with other people like the director or other designers within the team to try and flush out a solution or, or do you keep to yourself? Uh, a bit of both. Sometimes I would 
yeah, lock myself away in my office and just um, work away at, a, at trying to come up with a solution or even getting into the studio and putting materials together, starting to build things just to see if something accidentally might come out of that process. Yeah. But then a lot of times talking to the director or someone who doesn't know the ins and outs of exactly what you're doing sometimes they can offer suggestions that you would never have thought of yourself because you're like, no, this is the way you have to do it <laughs> or this is the way that this material works. Yeah. And then someone else might suggest something completely left of field and it's like, oh, yeah, maybe that could work. Yeah. Yeah. Let me play with that for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A bit of both is good. A bit of trying to persevere and experiment and get through things, even drawing things up and getting things out is good but also just having a conversation you may even solve it yourself through that conversation but just being able to voice things sometimes helps that thought process go through as well yeah you've mentioned that you normally have the set design sort of done about a month before rehearsal start do you actually go into the rehearsal room and and have a look at what what's going on in the rehearsal room i love being in the rehearsal room and so i try and get in there as much as i can yeah because it can help you Sometimes you might not have some details absolutely finalised and seeing how the actors are working and that kind of thing can help you to finalise these things. Or it might be you might get ideas about a way they might be able to use the set or some props mm-hmm. or you might be, you know, want, be wanting to tweak even costume things or yeah. exact finishes for things. So, yeah, there's still time in there to be able to either adapt things or yeah really finesse things so you're not expected to be there the entire time in rehearsals but it can be a really great process to be involved in yeah rehearsal process you're involved with that a little bit are you obviously the set's being built or has been built and you're refining it a little bit are you involved when it actually gets into the theater and you're there for for bumping yeah so a designer's main job during the bumping process is just to, I guess, supervise and just make sure that things are being put in exactly the right place. Yeah. It's just being there to ensure that things are going in as they should. And also you're there to answer any questions from the team who are putting it together. Yeah, because it might be that exact placement of a set can change the way that a set is used so you might need a certain amount of access space on one side or also considering the audience view of a set sight lines yeah sight lines all of those things so it does need to be placed exactly in the space that that you had (laughs) proposed it should be so also for lighting design and sound designs and that kind of thing all of their equipment that's right because lighting have put fixtures in certain places to hit certain spots and if your set isn't in the right spot that fixture ain't going to hit that spot yeah, yeah, those kind of things. Yeah, so most of the time that's what you're, you're there just to just to make sure things are um, happening as they should be. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. Cool. I hope you're enjoying today's episode. And if you are, spread the word. Let everyone know about Unseen Theatrics, sharing education of live theatre. Safety issues. A set can be anything. So 
do you have to what what kind of safety issues do you have to consider in designing it in terms of finishes i guess you don't want anything that might be too slippery or anything that might cause an actor to harm themselves on a set even you know down to for places that you might usually use glass you might use perspex instead and yep. and those kind of things considering heights of things and whether people are going to hit their head on them or yeah <laughs> and obviously things need to be structurally sound as well so yep. you know um making sure specifications for anything that's built that's conversations with the set construction team making sure that it's yeah yeah which they are going to be all over those kind of things anyway, but you know how the set is going to be used generally yep. for certain actions with the cast. So if something needs to be stood on or hung on or whatever, maybe you need to be thinking about reinforcements for those things that the construction team won't necessarily know that they need to do that unless you tell them. Yes, yeah. So in the theatre, how closely do you work with technical staff? You've mentioned just being there to answer questions, make sure it actually goes in the right spot. Mm. So there's some relatively closeness of working together to make sure that it all works. Yeah, so you're pretty closely in touch with technical staff throughout. And, yeah, and as things are going in, there's always a check-in process between people when things are going in, like, you know, is this going to interrupt your sight lines or your, like, where are you going to put this light that needs to do that? Like, you'll be continually checking in with each other. Mm. Yeah, I guess you try and talk to everybody as much as you can just so that you nobody's stepping on each other's toes or <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Open lines of communication is always good. Yes. So how long are you there in the theatre for? You're there for bumping. Are you there during tech runs and dress runs just to make sure things are still working working nicely when do you actually sort of leave the show in the technical staff staff's hands yeah generally you will be present right through yeah tech runs even focusing and things for lighting plotting and all of those things yeah you will be there in that sort of technical process um then tech runs dress runs right up to Opening night, generally opening night is the night that then after that you'll be like, okay, we're in, that's happening. Yep. Now I can step away unless anything goes really wrong. So, yeah, you'll, you'll generally be there right up until that point. Okay. Yeah. All right. So then at the other end of the show, do you come back for a bump out? Not necessarily. A lot of the time bump out will happen just with uh, the crew that bumped in. Yep. Yeah, unless there's anything specific about ways that a set has to be transported or stored. Generally, you don't have to be there at um, the bump out. Okay. Post-production responsibilities, do you sort of wrap mm. everything up, put everything in a nice, neat folder and and hand it to the production company or, or what, what, what are your post-production responsibilities? Generally, in the process, you would have been sharing files and things via something like Dropbox and the company would then continue to have access to all of those files. Yeah, again, it does depend on the company, but generally I would keep things in one nice neat folder somewhere myself so that it can be accessed yep. whenever um, it's needed. But yeah, generally there is a shared folder within the team of a company that all files will be placed in there as well. Right. Something you mentioned then, do you have a, a relatively good version control 
of your work because I'm sure there's more than one version going on uh, certainly in the the early stages to uh, keep on top of what your latest idea and and design is generally I try and date everything because my organizational skills in terms of files aren't that great yeah, that's fine. I date everything and then when I'm pretty sure that it's the final version, then I'll put a big final at the front of it. Yeah, as long as I can uh, see the date when that file was created, I'm, I'm generally okay. No, that's cool. All right. What do you find most rewarding about being a set designer? It is that moment actually when you get into the theatre on the day of bump in because you finally get to see the vision that you think is in your head (laughs) come to life before you and then you get to see it with the the lights that make it look even more amazing and the sounds that bring the atmosphere and and then the actors get on the stage. Just that moment of everything coming together is, yeah, usually the most rewarding experience when the magic starts to happen. (laughs) Yes, yeah, yeah. The moment where uh, a conceptual idea comes to through to fruition is uh, a a good one. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Have you got any weird or wacky design briefs that you've had to work from? I've had a number of weird design briefs in the past, you know, working in various different types of experimental theatre or or not. One that I've had, a Caribbean James Terrell, so essentially neon lights <laughs> and, and pineapples or something like that was what they were going for. Okay. And then there was another show I worked on where it was meant to be a town hall meeting as if it was the end of the patriarchy. Right. I had to make it appear as if it was this kind of strange end of the world kind of cult situation but in a town hall yeah okay and i ended up having to sew 80 to 100 uh like black cloak things for all of the audience to wear that was a pretty demanding one anyway (laughs) yeah okay do you have any tips or tricks that you could pass on to young set designers to help them out on their way yeah i guess it's really just like go to theatre get in, and getting involved as much as you can. For me, it's everything has come about through the experiences that I've had and the, the people that I've spoken to and, and just having a go and making and seeing what comes out of things. And then a, a path sort of works itself out um, in front of you. Mm. You know, sometimes I look back and go, oh, yeah, at the moment I'm doing this, but two years ago I would never have dreamed of doing that. But, yeah, just yeah. just being involved in the industry and, yeah, having a love for what you do, it tends to tends to happen. Yeah, yes, yeah. A, a love is definitely uh, a, a needed thing. So yeah. the hours for a set design, are they long? They can be, yes. You, you're doing a lot of work by yourself outside of, what happens in the rehearsal room and what happens in meetings and and that kind of thing. And it also depends on your process as to how long you spend on an mm. idea and and that kind of thing. But then once you get into the theatre as well, there's lots of late nights <laughs> as tech rehearsals and things like that come together. So there are a lot of tedious moments, but, yeah, it's also it's worth it. <laughs> the, the reward at the end is great. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, cool. All right. Anything else just on the tips and tricks? Just getting out and experiencing art in general. Hmm. You know, you can think about pretty much everything as theatre, even just 
getting influence from things as you're walking down the street. Everything, yeah. everything is a performance, really. Yeah. yeah. Just keeping your eyes open and always being ready to have wacky ideas and <laughs> keep them in the back of your mind somewhere. <laughs> you never know when you'll need them. Exactly. Cool. Thanks, Meg, for the chat today. It's been, it's been great fun and I've certainly learnt uh, plenty. So uh, thank you for being on this episode of Unseen Theatrics Podcast. Thanks for having me, Clinton. Thanks for listening. Join me again next week as I talk to a relighter. Thank you.